Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your audience for today, <laughs> and I'm Trish, your crime tender. Today we're bringing yet another update in the long line of updates on the Murdoch case. We're really hoping that this is the last one for a while, um, but who knows with this case, you get so many twists and turns, but without further ado... Here's Trish with everything that's happened in the past, like, three weeks since our last update. <laughs> and yes, it's a lot. Yeah. So it's going to be a little different just because we know we just didn't update. So we didn't want to do like a whole like bartending lesson and everything like that. We just wanted to go ahead and give you the update because I believe in the last one I mentioned that the trial was either starting or about to start. I can't even remember because I feel like it can be two days past and a whole new load of information comes out. But... The trial for the murders of Maggie and Paul has finally, like, happened and concluded. It was a five-week process full of twists and turns, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details. I just want to kind of focus on some of the main things that, like, piqued my interest and give you, like, pretty much what we discovered and the results. So, like I said, after weeks of this case being presented, you had multiple witnesses. I think there was like 70 different like witnesses brought onto the stand. And one of those happened to be Alex himself. And I will get all into that because, oh, his was... This was a train wreck. <laughs> um, I expect nothing less from him. Oh, yeah. Also, sorry for all of the sniffling. Allergy season, sinus season is was, upon us. I was going to say, yeah. It's, um, it's definitely allergy season here. And I never thought I had allergies until I moved to the south. <laughs> it will bring it out. <laughs> I walked out the other day, and like the night before, it was a nice, breezy, cool, great springtime day. And the next day, I walked out, and there was like an inch of pollen on my car. Yeah. And I said, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And then it hit. All the like cars and like picnic tables and that around here just get covered in like layers of pollen. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, in this update, the trial that just concluded is for the murders of Paul and Maggie. Alex technically still has a court case for all of his financial crimes, which is last count was 99 separate charges. 
And those like are like include all the financial crimes, including like defrauding his clients, his former law firm, and the government to like about nine million dollars. So yeah, he's 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 having a rough time. <laughs> so opening statements began on January twenty-fifth. Um, state prosecutors like contended that Murdoch killed his wife and son at close range with a shotgun and an AR-style rifle. And forensic evidence would show basically how or why they thought that. And then the defense, in its opening statement, said that there were numerous holes in the prosecution's case, claiming that it was built on theories and conjectures, you know. The same stuff they always throw out there trying to be like no this they're just jumping to conclusions um i have no training in law i read this art like when i when this first came out and i saw the article about the murders themselves i literally said look at the husband and here we are finally <laughs> looking at the husband at the trial <laughs> um so during the trial, we saw many unseen videos that like were released and I covered them in a lot of them in the last update when I kind of refreshed the timeline that from like the new stuff that we had found out. And you can pretty much look up all those videos if you haven't already seen them. They pretty much poke holes in anything Alex said prior to the trial. So, as I said, there are multiple witnesses that are brought up on the stand before the court. And to me, some of the most notable ones were Buster Murdoch, who is the only surviving son. The Murdoch family housekeeper, Barbara Ann Mixon, who... Y'all think some of your housekeepers are dumb? Mm Mm-mm. They know everything. Never underestimate the housekeeper. (laughs) And then lastly, obviously you had Alex himself. So for Buster, you know, he goes up and he claims his father's innocence. And what was really noticeable to me is he pretty much showed no emotion. He was like a blank, like canvas. There was no emotion either way. I don't recall him like tearing up at all or anything when he talked about like the, what had happened or anything. Like it was just very like either rehearsed or he's just like numb or I don't know. But he is kind of asked to recall, like, kind of the events of that night. And that obviously he wasn't, if you remember, he was not there. He was not, I think he was away at college or something. I forget. But he was not even, like, in the remote area. And he recalls getting a call from his father about, like, the deaths of his brother and his mom. And he kind of goes in talking about that. 
And basically, Buster was brought up to kind of talk about Alex's character. He pretty much was the defense's, like, hope to give Alex a really good character witness to see that he was a loving father and how he could never do that to a son. No. So, in my opinion, Buster is kind of brought in to, like, kind of humanize Alex to the jury. Then we get to the housekeeper. And to me, the housekeeper is kind of the nail in the coffin to Alex's, like, case. (laughs) Her testimony was so damning. Like, if you can go find this testimony, please do. Because it, oh, it is so detailed and so specific to each family member's like little things they do like where they leave laundry where they leave like stuff like things in the kitchen she could tell who cleaned up the kitchen based on where she would find things like it (laughs) i mean that checks because we all know We all know how men put their food up. Yeah. Like, it's... It's... Crazy. See, like I said, it's just... It's super detail-oriented. She literally will walk... Like, she's asked about, like, pretty much going through the house, like, the day after the, like, murders. And just, like, she talks from, like, going in the kitchen and then which way like when you're walking like out of the kitchen to go to the laundry and like she will literally walk you step by step like I don't even know the layout of this house with the way she described it be like oh yeah you go to the left and you go down it's this door there's a threshold then you have the and it's like it it's it's crazy detail oriented the lap there like there's a few different testimonies that you know i definitely watched and like felt were good and some that i was like there's no point in this person even being talked to but like i said buster and the housekeeper were two of the main ones that like stand out in my mind and the last one that does is alex himself and alex i feel like testified despite like what his attorneys may have wanted now his attorneys say that no they wanted him to and they stand by letting him go up there and testify but i i don't know because if anything we know that alex has kind of been a little loose cannon this entire thing i mean the man tried to kill himself to give his son insurance money. Um, no, you were trying to get out scot-free. So, the first thing to note is that when Alex took the stand, he blatantly admits, flat out admits, that he lied to police the day of, like, the murders and about like his whereabouts and everything. He blatantly admits 
that he lied to police. But he goes on to further say that he did it because of his drug use and him being paranoid from that. He didn't want them to focus on him so that they could find the real killer. Yeah, it, like I said, I'm like, you just admitted to lying to police. That just ruins any sense of trust any jury is going to have to what you say. And he goes on to admit that not only did he lie to police, he lied to family, he lied to friends. He pretty much lied to everybody about being down at the kennels that day because he claims he was never down there. He pretty much, he came there, he was waiting on like Maggie to get there and then he decided he was going to go see his like sick father and that. And so, like, he was just not there at all. And then, like I said, we got the videos showing that he was down there not even, like, three minutes before Paul and Maggie were killed. He also really couldn't keep his story straight for the events of that day. It wasn't big things, but it was, like, little things. He got himself very confused about, like, how to answer stuff and it was it like I said he was he was a train wreck I don't understand why they would have agreed to let him go up there and testify because he if if the rest of the testimonies were not damning enough he, just putting him up there alone could probably save this court five weeks <clears throat> so Along with, like, his testimony when he was asked directly if he killed Paul and Maggie, he said no, but he always, like, nodded yes. It was one of those, like, no, I didn't do that, and is like, nodding his head up and down, like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and it's like... He makes you, a great Lyoya. Yeah, he, it's like, your body's telling on you. Whether you realize you're doing it or not, you're subconsciously saying yes I did he did cry and kind of blubber on the stand but it just seemed like it was very much to gain sympathy from the jury and he at one point called Paul and Maggie something like completely different than how he's ever referred to him at any other point in like testimonies or trials or anything to where it was like it was just very like strange because everybody was like you like I think he called Paul Paw Paw or something like that Paw Paw or something I don't even know it was so and everybody was just like why did you say that <laughs> So, during cross-exam, the prosecution grilled him on his new story, arguing that his earlier testimony was fabricated to align with their video evidence that he saw his wife and son minutes before they were found dead. Now, and so, like, it, like, 
like I said, he just was a complete mess. You, it was like he could not like get off that stand fast enough. Like he, if you looked at at one point, you could tell he was kind of regretting agreeing to take the stand or As putting himself up there. As he should. So, kind of to round out, like, testimonies and everything before they went to final, like, closing statements and that, the jury actually traveled to Moselle to get to visit the kennels and see the house. So, you have just heard, and like... I think it was in the plans to do this all along. So um, prosecution was very smart with where they placed the housekeeper because the housekeeper, if I remember, was, was placed in the witnesses the same week of them going to see the house. So her testimony is still fresh in your brain. Mm-hmm. You have just, they pretty much finished with Alex who couldn't keep his story straight and everything. So you're getting to put what you've heard into like visuals. Mm -hmm. So it was just, I think the prosecution did a really good job with how this was kind of put together. So on March 2nd, the jury finally got to go do deliberations and it took them just three hours to come back with their verdict and they finally found Alex Murdoch guilty of murder for like the deaths of Paul and May. The jury also convicted him of Two counts of possession of a weapon during a violent crime, which carries a, like, pretty much a five-year prison sentence within itself. So, he w- whether they had found him guilty of killing Paul and Maggie or just, you know, maybe one of them, he at le- you knew at least he was going for five years. So... They wasted no time and they scheduled the sentencing for the very next day on March 3rd and prosecution said they were not going after the death penalty. They did not want the death penalty. They wanted a life sentence. So when I found out that he was, was when he was convicted of the murders, I was like, all right, well, at least I know the prosecution's not going to give him an easy out. Now, I just got hope that the judge doesn't change, like, doesn't go against that. Because the judge could. Mm-hmm. So, on March 3rd, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole for both counts of murder. So, two life sentences. And during the, like, sentencing, Judge Clifton Newman... Before he handed out the consecutive life sentences, reminded Murdaugh of his astonishing fall from grace, saying he had to have a portrait of Murdaugh's grandfather removed from the courtroom to ensure a fair trial. 
but his defense, which included Murdaugh's testimony, was not credible, not believable. So, <laughs> kind of kicked him while it was down, and it was like, you came from this brilliant family, and this is what you have come to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. And if that wasn't enough, he went on to basically say, he didn't basically, he said, I know you see Paul and Maggie during the nights when you're attempting to go to sleep. I'm sure they come to visit you. And Alex replied with, every night. Damn. <laughs> so you just admitted it, though. <laughs> You've literally just admitted it. I'm like... I know there's some people out there that aren't going to see it that way, but, like, his conscience is speaking. Right? I'm just like, uh, uh, sir, you literally just said, like, yeah, I'm guilty. Like, whether in your mind you're thinking you're saying, oh, you just see them because you're so grief-stricken, you literally, you did not listen to how he phrased mm -hmm. that at all. <laughs> and... So, like, he gets sentenced and whatnot. Obviously, they get taken away. And then, you know, you always have, like, the press and that wanting to speak to the lawyers and, like, the prosecutors and that. And his team actually said they do plan on trying to appeal the decision within 10 days. I just checked. There's nothing been published have, about it yet. They don't have a whole lot of ground. But I'm to... just, right? I'm just, like, he admitted he lied. <laughs> He admitted that he had a gun there. Like, he said it in freaking police-recorded video footage from the night of the murders. <laughs> he, like, in the freaking sentencing, he very, pretty, pretty much concluded that he, uh, he does have a guilty conscience about the Like, I'm just like... I don't know how you're going to spin this that he's innocent. Whether you want to say you want to try to spin his innocence that he only killed one of them because they've always been very adamant that it was two people like mm. his defense was always adamant that it was two people that committed the murders. So what? He killed uh, Maggie and his like backup in case he couldn't have the spine killed Paul like what but if you remember Paul was technically the one that was shot first if you like go back through stuff and then it was Maggie so it's like <laughs> I don't know I'm like I just don't it's not understand a good situation yeah really I just don't it. see how it's going to work out for them uh, like I said, I did look up to see if there was any appeals, like, announced yet, and there's not. The only thing I did see was that um, Buster's getting a lot of attention now, and it's unwanted on his part, but it's also bringing up even more stuff that I, I think I remember, like, kind of hearing, but people didn't focus on, but now that, like, you don't have Alex really to focus on anymore. You have other family members that are going to get focused on. And one I saw was that apparently Buster had a classmate that was mysteriously, like, murdered. So, now 
you have to be like, oh, are you involved? Is mm-hmm. your family involved? Like, yeah, it's. We said this is probably going to be like the last update for a while. But like I said, I feel like this case is just something new every week. But unless we have some big shocking, like he wins an appeal or something like that, this one should be the last one for a bit. But do know that Alex has officially been convicted of the murder. So you can't say allegedly, you can still say allegedly, but you can safely say he murdered his wife and son and not be told, oh, that's only allegedly. But I am also interested to know pretty much is he going to try to do something while he's in jail? Or is he going to I mean, he's never going to get out of jail, but is he going to sit there and try to live on death row preaching his innocence? Because if you kill yourself, that pretty much admits your guilt or just puts you as a weak person. <laughs> um, but it it's just going to be interesting. I'm wondering also how the family that is not really like been brought into this case is going to kind of, I guess, come out of this. Are they going to continue to try to run the law firm? Because I mean, Alex has brothers in that that are still lawyers in that. So are they going to still try or are they? At this point, I wouldn't even want to. <laughs> like, it's going to be interesting. I. I'd be interested to know how that turns out because um, I think right after the last update we did came out like a couple weeks, like after that, the Murdoch documentary little thing came out on Netflix and I did watch it and I didn't really learn anything new, but like I kind of got to like they, the one thing I did like is, you got to follow around Paul's girlfriend and she kind of talked about just like what it was like growing up there and like being involved with the Murdoch's and being able to drink underage and no one would say anything because you're with the Murdoch's. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it, it was interesting and I would love for them to do a follow-up of what it's like there after the fall of the Murdoch's. That would be so interesting to me. But time will tell. Like I said, I feel like after what we are now like three years basically of this thing taking place because this happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. This happened at like the start of the pandemic that I've been following this. I'm like, I feel like it's a weight off my shoulders to kind of finally be like, I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's also sad because I'm like, I've been following this for so long. What do I do? I have to focus on other things. You'll figure it out. <laughs> but 
that is our update. Like I said, I wasn't sure exactly how long this was going to be, but wanted to get out there because I know most of you have probably seen, but also we've done all the updates till till now. So I was like, we got to get it out there while, while it's still somewhat new. But that being said, I don't think we're going to do a last call. So you know the deal. Check us out on all of our socials and on uh, Patreon and all that. And we do have our email, tequila she wrote at gmail.com. But yeah, that is our short, quick, sweet episode. I mean, sweet as in revenge is sweet. <laughs> right. Episode. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed hanging out with us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Mm-hmm.